Guys, welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, as ever, remember that all the information you're about to hear is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any illnesses or diseases. Please make sure to consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any of the things we may discuss in this podcast. Speaking of education, if you're an exercise professional, coach or anyone working within the realms of health and fitness, when you're done listening here, make sure to head on over and check out our education portal at www themusclementors.co.uk if you like us and truly care about the well-being of your clients about getting access to the best and most up-to-date information in the areas of exercise mechanics hypertrophy sleep improving your online coaching services and much much more then be sure to join up you'll gain access to endless hours of content focused around everything you need to become a truly elite coach and get your clients in the best physical shape possible this is all in the form of video lectures weekly live education sessions and study groups you also get early access to our podcast and access to any exclusive Q&A segments we do with our guests. The content never stops on the portal. It's not a one-off course. It's an ever-evolving learning platform designed to give you the best information possible in this area. Head on over to our website and become part of our epic community, full to the brim of other professionals who, like yourself, are focused on providing the best health and physique-related results for their clients. Join us and them and gain the resources, support and accountability you need to become the elite of the health and fitness industry. For now, though, grab yourself a pen and paper and enjoy the show. All right, welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the Muscle Mentors podcast, um, joined by Cal, James, Ross, and uh, a very, very honoured guest in the form of Joe Bennett. Um, uh, This is probably quite a long-requested podcast, and um, I think it's taken us, what I don't know how long we've had the podcast going, quite couple of years two three years to actually get around to actually organizing it <laughs> so the, uh, we had to probably feel worthy um so um but no great to have you on joe um thank you for coming and um i mean we'd probably best start by giving everyone a bit of an introduction for those that do, that live under a rock and don't know who you are um joe bennett yeah, I always feel weird whenever I have to explain all this. I'm like, how much detail do you want? Do you guys have enough time? Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I think it's uh, I think it's cool because honestly, I try and think like, obviously, it's, um, you know, again, weird when anybody's interested in anything that I have going on. But then I try and think of like, man, all the stuff I've ever heard from other coaches and that I've respected. And it's like when I get to hear stuff about like how they came up, I'm like, that's like the most interesting to me. It's like, oh, they were like a normal person at some point in time or whatever. Um, but no, I tell everybody like, I, I, I really first got into it, like kind of leading up to this point, I think the same as a lot of people. I don't really know like when these two kind of happened together, but I remember my brother had Arnold's encyclopedia of modern bodybuilding. And, um, I remember looking at that and just whenever I first was like looking through the pages being like, holy shit, like people look like this. And, uh, cause obviously I'd seen like Arnold movies and I think there's something that just appeals to every like kid that you're like, Oh, I want to be like, I want to be a superhero. I want to be, you know, all huge and jacked and manly, whatever the hell that means. And then actually seeing bodybuilding was like a different thing. And I was like, okay, <clears throat> something was just like, that's, that's cool. I want to, I want to look like that. And I was always like super skinny. Like I was just really good at like endurance sports and things like that. Uh, so I think something clicked with me too. Cause especially at the time I'm reading, I mean, I was probably 15, like five foot five, probably like a hundred pounds, you know, soaking wet. And so I was like, well, I, I want to be a man. That sounds like a good idea, you know, for me to do at some point in time. So right around that same time, I always played, I think I was playing soccer, running track at that point in time. And uh, I had a coach too, uh, at the same time, I was like, oh, we're going to go into the gym twice a week at our high school gym. And he didn't give us any direction. And so even then I remember making a joke with my buddies, like we would just go in there and bench press and do curls and basically like, oh yeah, like this is going to make me better at like running. (laughs) 
but it was like, oh, well, bench press and curls is just what you're required to do. Um, and I don't know, like something clicked like really, really early on. Like I just loved the training um, to the point where like I just went full on OCD into it where like I just started like reading every single thing that I could, you know, at that point in time, like every birthday or Christmas, like everybody would just give me magazine subscriptions. So like, I think I have like a solid two decades of, you know, it's muscle fitness, flex, muscular development. And, uh, you know, it took after five years of reading the same articles over and over and over. It was like, well, I don't really know if I need these anymore, but I kept buying them anyway. <laughs> and, um, I started training like three times a day. Um, so by the time I was in my uh, junior year of high school, third year of high school, um, we had like a weightlifting class was an option. So I literally would just, uh, for that whole class, I would bench press, you know, so it'd be like, I'd have actual like 50 minutes of training. So it'd literally be like, okay, we'd like bench pr- all this like fucking crazy schemes where I was just literally the notion I like training so much. And I totally just thought more was better. And especially if your only education of bodybuilding that time was like Arnold, then you're like, oh yeah, more is definitely better. And uh, so I literally like bench press for like 50 minutes. Then after school, I would um, finish chest, whatever that meant. And then I would go to another gym. I had a job. And then after my job, I'd go train pretty late at night at like the first gym membership that I paid for. Um, and I would finish. Like I basically was doing like a push pull lower at that point in time. So if it was like chest day, I'd bench for an hour during school. After school, I'd train for like another hour, hour and a half. And then later on at night, I'd go do like shoulders and triceps. And um, basically just did that six days a week, I think. Like my parents would make me like stop sometimes. And, uh, and literally, I remember my whole, my whole family thought I had like mental problems because I just like went so all in. I mean, I can't even list all the stuff that I did that was just looking back was really ridiculous. Like I was that guy that would carry like a gallon jug around like high school with me. I remember I always kind of like, I, I have like obviously maybe some, you know, personality flaws or something. I always liked attention. So like I remember going into the classrooms and I would write my PRs on the board that day. I got a dry erase board. I would write like literally like six foot tall, like 185 times six. And as you'd imagine, like most normal people are like, what the hell is wrong with this kid? My teacher is like, what's wrong with this kid? And I'm like, how are you guys not concerned about this? This is a PR. This is like big news. And um, I, I honestly can't even think of all the stupid shit that I did. I would take like um, on family vacations, I'd make my dad like let me pack weights, you know, so I'd have like as many sets of dumbbells as he'd let me bring, like push up handles. Um, I remember I actually bought, I saved up and I bought a bench press for my bedroom. So that was a good one. I don't know if I've told people that one. So like my bedroom was extremely small growing up. And so it was so small that the entire bedroom was taken up by a single bed and a bench press. And so literally the first couple of times I had, it was so close. I'd roll out of the bed and I'd hit my head on the bar. So I ended up having putting like a layer of socks over top of the end of the bar. So when I'd roll out of my bed at some point in time, I wouldn't whack my face in there. And, um, my dad thought I was insane. I remember it was like a big argument with my dad of like, why would you spend your money on this? I've got this freaking giant gym in my, my, you know, my kid's bedroom. And now the irony is I give him shit about it. He still has that bench press. So he uses it now in his garage to work out. Um, so anyway, I, I just went overboard, man. And I just loved it. I love training. I love the bodybuilding part. Um, so when I went to college, um, at first I had no idea what I was going to do. So I basically was like a business degree for a year. Then I went pre-physical therapy for a year. Um, and then my last two years, I technically switched over to like an exercise science degree. And uh, during that time, I, I scaled back. So I always tell people too, like, I literally didn't like, I didn't like having an idea of like how bodybuilding worked when I was in high school. I just liked to train. Um, so I didn't ever sleep. You know, I slept like every kid, I think in high school, like five, six hours a night. I just ate whatever, I don't know what the hell 16 year old kids eat, like fucking sandwiches and stuff. And um, so I didn't eat. And so I literally graduated high school. At like 150 pounds, same height I am now, 5'11", 150 pounds. And if you would ask me then, I would have told you I was jacked. So like just doing the sheer math of like 150 pounds, 5'11", like I still must have looked like full on emaciated, uh, but I thought I was jacked. And then when I went to college, I started scaling back to twice a day. 
everyone still thought I had mental problems because I found there was like a hardcore gym on campus that I think it opened at two. So I'd be there right at two and then I would, you know, train for an hour, an hour and a half. And then I'd come back and I literally like I was OCD with showers at that point in time. Like I'd take a shower and then I'd get a couple meals and then I'd go back to the same gym before it closed. So I'd go back there at like eight thirty nine at night and then basically just train till it closed. And um, I had to like ride my bike there. And same time I would joke, I was like, I was so good with the ladies in college that if you went into my dorm room, it was like pictures of a bunch of bodybuilders and then pictures of a bunch of like Lord of the Rings paraphernalia. And uh, so as you imagine, I don't, I don't know if that was good with any lady. <laughs> so, yes. but um, yeah, they love it. It's the right lady. I mean, my wife loves that shit now. I mean, she wasn't into bodybuilding, but I think if she would have seen the Lord of the Rings in my rooms, uh, that would have been an aphrodisiac for her. And, um, but so anyway, yeah, but I at least started like eating and sleeping like crazy. I mean, I literally like, I remember I had a schedule that was like, my first class was like 1 PM. Um, so I was literally sleeping like at least 10, 11, 12 hours every single night. That was the first time I had like, um, structured like meals where I was eating basically my six meals were just as much as I could possibly eat. I would literally try and eat like a pound of protein first and then whatever else I could still stomach after that. And uh, obviously that, that worked really well for getting huge. I mean, I literally put on in eight months, I think I put on 30 pounds, probably 10 pounds of it was fat, but that was one of the best like transformations I, because I think I literally put on 20 pounds of leading tissue, um, probably in like eight, nine months. Um, so anyway, that's a little bit of my meathead journey. And I, I mean, I stuck with it all the way through college, same whole deal. I got my first job working in a gym when I was 20 at the school gym. Um, they had a brilliant you know, program just in its infancy there. I went to university of Florida where they were basically actually help kind of certify you in-house as a trainer. So I got exposed to like really, really smart graduate assistants, really smart, um, you know, people that were actually, you know, PhDs, professors, like running that, that program. And I remember that was the first time um, I had any education basically from smart people that were actually producing results outside of Arnold. And um, I remember like, I, I relate to a lot of people where, you know, everybody, pretty much everybody on social media um, is butthurt about something. And they're butthurt, obviously, about whatever they're emotionally attached to. And I remember very specifically, I've, I've told this story probably somewhere else before. So if you've heard this, I apologize. But I remember a really, really brilliant. Um, I think he was a professor at the time, uh, but he ran the strength conditioning, the rec strength and conditioning program over there. It was one of the first like little presentations or seminars I went to for continuing education for people who worked at the gym. And he basically like went through like breaking down like a flat barbell bench press and explaining some of like considerations, individual application, things like that. And he didn't really say anything about it being good or bad, but just implying that maybe someone shouldn't do it or do it different. Like that went against like what Arnold said, like you had to bench press if you're just, if you're a man and if you want muscles. And I remember being so angry in that presentation. I literally remember being like all hot, pissed off and whatever. And um, probably took me like a couple of days afterwards. I was like, that's probably not good if I'm like angry about someone, you know, cause after I actually thought about the information presented, I was like, there's nothing to actually be angry about in that. <laughs> And uh, so I always keep that in the back of my mind because everyone's, everyone goes through that in some capacity at some point in time. Some people never get out of going through that. Um, but so that's when I first got exposed to personal training. Uh, that was a really good, um, I think, first intro to it because I, I got to train basically like college-age students. So it's a good demographic to not hurt people if you have no idea what you're doing, which obviously no trainer has any idea what they're doing when they first start training people. Um, and then when I graduated, <clears throat> I actually had an internship briefly in like corporate wellness, which was just horrible. I didn't like that at all. Um, but I got connected with a, a guy that basically said, Hey, if, when you're done, you know, reach out to me and, uh, you know, we'd love to have a trainer with a degree, like come and, you know, work for us. And it was kind of like a big box gym at that point in time. Um, and honestly, I didn't, when I did that, my wife just happened to get a job in the area where we're at. 
And so I was kind of starting training as default because in my brain at that point in time, I mean, this is circa, you know, 2005, 2006. Um, I didn't really think you could be a career trainer. Like my impression of trainers was the same as everybody else. Like, uh, these are just guys that just wear stringers and pay for protein. And, you know, just, it wasn't, it, I didn't have this very good image of actually like a fitness professional, like a career trainer. And um, so it was, I was very, very lucky where I started to work. I had two really good mentors that like, let me know really fast. Like, no, you can, you can make a profession at this. You can treat this like a business. Uh, you can make a living doing this. And um, so I probably had, I'd say my first year or two there, I was like full on focused on all the business part of training, you know, so business development, how to actually, you know, build a clientele, manage your clientele, like, you know, even basically within a club marketing referrals, all, like basically everything you'd want to know from a business side. Like, again, some of my mentors were just amazing. Um, and then within two years, I think I was managing the club. Um, so I got to the point where I was, I was good at it um, and I was good at the business side. And like any business, there's kind of a competitive component to that of obviously you have, you know, goals and financial goals and plans for your club. Um, and I loved all that stuff. I just liked anything that was competitive. So the whole thing just kind of really clicked with me right away too, where it's like, oh, I really like this whole working out thing. You know, I can help others. I can make money. I can make a living. There's still this competitive, you know, nature there, even to a certain degree within the company. And uh, so I just loved it. And then um, I just to give the time frame. So probably maybe around age so that was age 22 through basically, I think, 24, 25. And then around age 25 is when I was constantly trying to get as much education as I could in-house. Um, and I literally just started to like bother people that were like my managers and stuff to the point where like, we don't have time for this. You know, we have to like run a company and we have like a job. And so I remember at the time, uh, the person who was, he might've been either president of personal training or president of the company at some point in time because he moved into that position. He knew Charles Paulquin personally. And he said, look, you just need to go get some education elsewhere. You can't just do it all in-house. And he recommended that I take some Paulquin stuff. Um, and so that was really when I started going all in uh, to continuing education stuff. Where it was literally like a light bulb went on. I was like, oh, there is like places to get education. And there's good education out there. Because at that point in time, I think I just completed, you know, my NASM like C, you know, CPT or whatever it is. And maybe their performance enhancement specialist, which is just like take a test and pass and you're certified, which pretty much has nothing to do with training. And uh, so to actually go, that was the first time I went. I think I went to Canada for that very first one. Um, and uh, that was like kind of eye-opening aside from going from a, to a brilliant coach that produced results um, to being around like, like-minded coaches. People are obviously willing to spend money and travel to go learn. Um, it was just like everything, even aside from the actual information, obviously learn like the whole um, like community and culture of going to good continuing ed education like that was massive. Um, so I think I committed at that point in time that I would do that at least twice a year. And so honestly, from basically from age 25 through up until now, I still twice a year make sure that I actually travel, you know, somewhere for some continuing education. Um, so I've done, you know, Paulquin stuff, RTS stuff, MAT stuff, you know, functional anatomy seminar stuff, probably some crap in the middle there that I forgot about that wasn't any good. And, um, and then at some point in time, I had met uh, BPAC, so Ben Pikulski, probably around I'm probably in my mid to late twenties. Um, I had met, I had met him and I honestly just kind of start talking to him about, you know, I went up to him and just kind of went out of my way to introduce myself, start talking to him about training and stuff. And obviously at that point in time, and obviously still does had the notion of being like the smart bodybuilder. And so I was like, Oh, cool. There's like a smart bodybuilder. And I knew he knew uh, like the RTS group. He knew Charles Paulquin and that's how we kind of started like talking. And I remember at some point in time, I just invited myself to train with him. And uh, not really knowing how Ben is at the time, like if you ever invited yourself to come train with Ben, and obviously this is when Ben was still in his peak competing, um, he would just try and like absolutely like beat the shit out of you and murder you and bully you for an entire session. 
And if you survived, you'd get an invite back. And if you didn't, you wouldn't. Um, so I, I started training. I think I was a training partner for, with him for like, you know, at least once or twice a week. I was still an hour away, trained with him for like a year or two uh, before we ever worked together. And uh, that was just kind of eye-opening and awesome for, you know, this notion of, you know, how hard can people actually train? You know, where is this place that actually exists of overtraining? <laughs> can you actually find that place before you're afraid of something you don't know where it is? And then if everybody knows, obviously, I think when most people started to like hear about who I was, whatever the hell that means, um, is when I got talked into starting to do social media, you know, when I worked at MI40. So I, I moved up and um, with a couple other people and Ben, obviously, uh, with the notion of opening MI40 and kind of helping start that gym. I was up there for probably three months or so um, before the gym ever opened. And, um, and I was there uh, working there for, I'm trying to remember the years, maybe 2015 to 2018, something like that. And, um, and I, I didn't have a social media account until sometime probably late 2015, I think. And so then basically it's, you know, Ben was the first person to talk me into it. And he's like, you just have to start posting stuff. And I was like, I don't, at that point in time, especially social media was more so like, hey, look at my ass and hey, look at my abs and buy my product. And I was like, why would I want to be a part of that exactly? So I was just focusing on the purely superficial and negative part of it. And it was basically Ben that said, just start, you know, establishing yourself as an expert, just start writing shit. And um, I've always liked writing. I've always liked public speaking. So when I just kind of got in the groove and started to do it, um, it seems like obviously some people liked what I had to say. And, uh, you know, that was it from there. So I just, um, you know, I worked there again through 2018. Um, and that's kind of when I started to build the whole social media thing. And then uh, with everything from a business standpoint, building stuff, I kind of just did stuff by request. So I did a little bit of online coaching because at some point in time, I had a hundred plus people that were like, will you do online coaching? And, and people don't know that too, from basically when I moved up to open MI40, it wasn't like a job. It was like something that like an opportunity to try and make happen with zero income. So I think I spent my life savings in a good six, eight months. And then basically was struggling to survive the entire time I was there. So I started doing online coaching out of necessity, basically. And I hated it. Uh, so I did that maybe for a year and stopped because I realized I don't like that at all. Uh, but I had people asking for more content. And so I had a client at that point in time that helped me build out my first site um, and said, well, people do content sites, do that. And I was like, oh, okay, let's, let's try that out and see how that goes. And right about then I got, you know, matched up with my business partner that I still have now, who just basically helped me take everything to the next level um, and has helped me with everything since then, take everything kind of to the next level, whatever that means. And, um, and that kind of catches me up, I think, to where I'm at now. I've been the past couple of years been doing my own thing. Um, so just training a little bit less or training a lot less comparatively to where I was previously. And, uh, you know, had more focus now on, you know, content and continuing education and all that kind of stuff. Um, so good podcast. I'll see you guys next time. So- <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just thinking, I was like, shit. <laughs> you, for the future, you guys can just have like cardboard cutouts of yourself and I can just get on here and ramble for 60 minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's that's basically exactly what I wanted to hear because it was yeah, the, your background as a coach, educator, bodybuilder. That's that's kind of brought it up to speed, which is fantastic. The um, I, I had a question of like, based on that everything you just talked about there, like, what was it in that whole journey that sparked your interest in in the area of mechanics in, in particular? Where that you mentioned that that um, the researcher that took you through the bench press was that from a mechanical perspective he was doing that or was that yeah, I, you know i don't yeah something like i mean i don't remember a hundred percent exactly what was covered but it was i mean it was starting to actually discuss like you know the notion of you know touching the barbell to your chest is arbitrary right like you just have some basic idea of like 
this is a different length on everyone. And rib cage is a different size on everyone. And like, even like to the point of like, what the hell is the goal of it? You know, it's like, well, not everyone's trying to get swole. Not everyone's just trying to be good at the sport of bench pressing. Um, so I don't really remember the exact context of it, but it was completely unemotional and just kind of objective of here's these things. And, um, but I actually remember at first, I mean, I think I, a lot of my trying to think about stuff and figure out stuff stemmed out of necessity. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing. I, I, I've thought the same thing when I hear people say this because everybody seems to say it about themselves, but I'm pretty well qualified at this point, I think, to say that I have average muscle building genetics, maybe even slightly subpar. Um, because when I first started training, everybody I ever trained with got bigger and stronger, faster than me. And um, even with the notion of like, because when I first started training, like I said, all I did was curls and bench press. And all I really wanted, like I obviously just liked going in and training. I just wanted to get stronger was honestly my fa- my first focus. And then obviously my second was, you know, having testosterone. I wanted to like look good for girls, obviously. So I was like, all right, well, what do girls want? Girls want biceps, pecs, and abs. And so I was like, all right, luckily I had no fat because I was just all bones and skin anyway. So as soon as I did like a crunch, then I technically had an ab. And I was like, all right, look, I've got abs, got that. And then I started like doing a million curls. And then so I had some like kind of muscle shaped skin bone combo or whatever on my biceps. And I remember wanting pecs so bad. And I remember doing bench press and all the shit you're supposed to do. And like nothing was happening. You know, triceps were getting bigger, front delts were getting bigger. And so I remember honestly thinking at that point in time, I remember some of it was watching different people bench press and then just kind of having some, you know, because through Arnold's encyclopedia and stuff, you get some sort of idea of origin insertion and this anatomy thing. It's obviously important. Like that's a lot of great stuff from Arnold's book and anything bodybuilding is it is this internal focus thing. Um, and so I remember that was the very first time thinking about like, okay, well, whatever I'm doing is not working. Let me try something else. And then I getting this idea of, okay, well, pecs, I think I remember very basic stuff. Of like, I think I was just bench pressing. I didn't think about anything, just A to B. And I remember like, okay, well, like pecs are kind of this way. So let's try maybe this, this type of thing. And so I remember trying that type of thing and actually like, oh, I think I feel something occurring here, like over top of my rib cage. And then I remember seeing literally, I don't know if again, just kind of something inherent or whatever. I remember seeing kids that had bigger rib cages and just thinking like, that's, that's how that's supposed to look. You know, and I remember that's when I kind of started doing this little bit of an archy type thing and be like, Hey, I actually kind of feel something going on more. Um, and I remember having arguments about kids uh, with stuff randomly like that. I, I basically just had some sort of inherent um, basic, basic mechanics knowledge. And I joke, like my grandpa is an engineer. I have a couple of engineers in my family. So I think I have something in there that just, again, has just something where I can kind of see mechanic-y thing, mechanic-y type things. You know, I remember explaining, having an argument with a kid once about how you could do a bent over barbell row um, and not have your biceps involved. And he was like, well, your elbow is bending. Your biceps have to be involved. And I'm like, well, you know, mechanically, if your hand's below your elbow, you don't technically need anything. And I remember actually explaining with him with like those little erector set things. And I was like, look, I can just turn from here and this elbow bends just kind of trailing along. And in retrospect, I was like, that was a pretty good conversation for like a, whatever, a 16 year old. And I remember the kid just argued with me to, there was no resolve. That was my first internet battle before the internet battle. Well, he's like, well, you're dumb. My biceps are bigger than yours. Shut up. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Let's move on. And uh, so I don't know. There was something I kind of always had this little idea of like this mechanic-y thing. Um, I, I competed in weightlifting in, uh, in high school as well too. And we did clean and jerk was like the main thing. It was very weird because this isn't even the same throughout the States. It was bench press and clean and jerk were the two lifts you competed in. And from that point on, I always had people that would even coaches were like, you know, watch how Joe does that because like I was very technically sound, but he also be like, don't do it like Joe does. Cause he's very slow. He's like be in all the same positions that he's in, but just do it faster. <laughs> and, um, so I don't know. I've always kind of had that some uh, notion of actually thinking about, how things work and just basic understanding of origin insertion and pull. And 
and again, some basic understanding of mechanics, I just think is um, at some point in time kind of required from everybody and, and everybody knows something, whether they know it or not until you kind of point stuff out and you're like, Oh yeah, why well, know this, why this is hard here and easy here. And I was like, well, that's a mechanics thing. And you know why obviously your delt can raise your arm and your lats probably not great at that just because you understand this just pulling in the direction type thing. Um, so I think honestly, that's one of the few things I think was just kind of inherently in there. Um, and then it really just got cultivated I, before I actually even took my first RTS course. There is a guy that was, um, an RTS guy, an MAT guy. Uh, and again, this is around 2006, but he was the extreme of it to the point where it wasn't good. Like he had turned it all into a religion. And so he turned off so many people because like in his example, he'd walk through clubs. He was a manager at a club at one point in time and he got hired and he went in and the first thing he did was he threw away all the foam rollers. So he literally went in and took every foam roller and was like, this is dumb. There's no reason to foam roll. And he threw them all away. And the owner's like, I, I paid for those foam rollers. Uh, but so anyway, like I remember him, at least when I would have conversations and not get turned off, one of the first people that would just basically, I remember specifically, he actually on my first day of work, he gave me this piece of paper and he said, here, read this. And it was like, this was part of his, like, honestly, it's like his, again, that's kind of a religious thing too, right? Here, read this paper, knocking on door to door, read this, and see if you pass the test. And it was this paper that had like 50 questions on it that were like, you know, you know, explain, you know, how do you think that there's shear at your knee and a leg extension? What's happening from a compression? It was like all these questions. And I remember like 80% of them, I was like, I have no idea what the hell any of this shit is. And, uh, but I remember I asked him, I went back and talked to him about it. And I was like, what, you know, what's this and what's that? And he's like, Hey, you're like one of the first people that actually wanted to like have a follow-up conversation with me about all this stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know the answers to like half of this. Um, so anyway, I said that was, that was my first exposure to RTS. And I think it was probably a few more years before I took the first course. But I remember all the time, like that stuff was always very interesting to me. Uh, mechanics and stuff was just very interesting to me. And like the same as a lot of things from the outside, not really understanding it. Some of it was kind of overwhelming. And so I remember like obviously going and taking the first course, the first time I did that was like, that was really eye-opening. That was like, that was probably the biggest, still, I always say that that's, I attribute to that kind of the biggest impact. Um, on basically my career, not even so much the specifics, but just kind of hopefully, you know, evolving my thought process and the way I look at exercise, the way I look at training. So, yeah, I, th I think the cool thing about this is it sounds like so much of your learnings come from like your own curiosity as opposed to, is you know having some sort of competition with other people in terms of who can know more or like you know there's no doesn't seem like there's any any real kind of external motivation there, which is kind of a rare quality that is probably largely responsible for a, a lot of your set success today. Um, Cause you, you know, you've yeah. kind of built all that stuff kind of intrinsically and off just off your own interest and curiosity. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I hope so. I mean, it seems like it's a, I mean, that's, it's funny you say that. Like, I just feel like it's a weird thing now. Cause I honestly don't feel like it was that rare. Right. Like I remember never going to courses and like competing with like, who's smarter there. You're all like, Hey, we're all here to like learn shit. And now you do, like you said, you kind of get that feel where I joke like, I mean, everyone's, I feel like there's like everyone's posts. I'm sure I'm guilty of it to some capacity too, but like so many people can't just present information and a thought process. Like everything's passive aggressive where it's like, Hey, here's this thing. And like, kind of almost like creating a little like passive aggressive straw man. And if you do something else, you're retarded. And I was like, why couldn't you just tell me this thing? Right. Why couldn't you just give me this good piece of information? Could you imagine obviously taking a course? Like if I went to a course, and everything single thing I learned was paired with how you're stupid. If you have the opposite view or something, I was like, that would be a long ass course. I have to have twice as much time to present information. And then also just make sure I was aware of what is bad and like, don't do that. Who's better. Who's whatever. Um, 
So, yeah, and I, I remember actually thinking that was probably one of the best compliments I got from Tom. I didn't realize it, but going through RTS and maybe one of the second goes through when Tom was my instructor, I remember asking him about something super fucking complicated. And I remember being like, man, like, to be honest, man, like some of the shit makes my head hurt. It's probably when going through some of the, you know, equipment analysis and mechanics, you know, you got something going through like 12 pulleys and six splitters and you're trying to figure out what side of the machine is helping or hurting or whatever. And then he, I remember him being like, well, he's like, whatever. He's like, you don't, this stuff's not really as important. You know, he's like, you actually like see stuff in the gym. He's like, that's what's important. And I was like, what? And he's like, I got, I got every kid, 90% of people in these courses can memorize all this stuff, but they go out in the gym and they just like are paralyzed. They don't like, I'll say, well, what does this have to do with this? They can't point stuff out. They can't figure out what it actually equates to training. And I was like, oh, sweet. Okay. I'm like, I guess that's a good thing. I'm like, now I feel better about being done with some other stuff and not as done with other things. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's, that's one of my filters. I try and always have with stuff. It's like, yeah, one, I've always just liked the, the subject. So I'm just happy to obviously, obviously learn and gain more knowledge. Um, but at the same time, I was always really putting it through the filter. I mean, I was doing all my learning while I had a full clientele. So I was like, what the hell, you know, my question was always there. Like, what the hell do I do with this? Right. And so I think that was like a good filter for anything that if I went through a course, because I didn't like turn it in. I didn't turn it into a religion. You know, I took it through the filter and I was like, well, what can I actually apply with this? How can I actually make gym decisions with all this? And, uh, and I think that helped me again, have like a, maybe a little better perspective of like, why am I gaining information as opposed to just say like, Hey, like you, like, look how many books I have back here type thing. <laughs> look how many books I have in my brain. Um, but yeah, so hopefully it helps. Um, I hope that comes across with most people. That's not the purpose of trying to continue, uh, get continuing education. It's not hopefully for selfish reasons, you know? Uh, cool. There's, a, there's another guy. Oh, you go, James. I was going to say, just I think, like, not trying to say the golden era of learning or something, but like how we learned, say, back in the day when it say the Pollockin days and like that was completely different. Yeah. As I say, like, you went to a course, you didn't know the people initially, but then you built rapport, you started to connect with them and stuff like that. And it was, yeah. everyone was almost on the same level rather than at the moment you put an education content out and people almost trying to directly compete with that. And yeah. Things that we're all competing with each other. Whereas, no, we're all like in this game together. Yeah. There's business out there for everyone. Whereas yeah. I think it's just people sometimes, there's egos getting in the way or insecurities or what, um, more so now when they're seeing what everyone else does. Whereas before, yeah. we didn't necessarily see that. You just yeah. worked in your world. You yeah. worked and didn't see everyone and what they were doing until you went to the course and yeah. then started vibing and chatting and see what was going on. Um, but day to day, you just didn't see that. Yeah, that's like always my joke. I go to these courses and like, I like muscles. Like, you like muscles too? Fucking sweet. All right. You know, tell me about how you spend 90% of your time at home or the grocery store or the gym. And it uh, turns out we have a lot in common. But yeah, I think about that all the time. I think about how weird it is where I honestly think it's just people that don't, haven't ever worked as a coach like in a gym or as a trainer in a gym because the things now that people like split hairs on and argue about. Like no one, no one would argue that back in the day. Like even if somebody was just like, you got a course and you're like, Hey, I like to do this. And someone's like, Hey, I do the opposite. That'd be like the end of the conversation. And if you really were interested, you'd try and maybe dig a little deeper. It's like, Oh, well, how have you come to that conclusion? Oh, well, I apply it to this population or I can just coach it better or whatever it is. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And that, that would be it. <laughs> Whereas like now it's like people will just, their entire businesses are built around like, here's why this method is right. And why that method is wrong. And let's continually argue about it. And I was like, all right, well, I don't really know what that has to do with the client. But um, yeah, and that was the thing too. I mean, I think I always tell people too, like the combination too, when there was this notion of who's better, who's whatever. Um, I mean, the best thing I always think about was when I first, because I think the first Paul Quinn course maybe wasn't taught. I think when I took PICP1, he didn't teach that. And the first time I had Paul Quinn teach something was when it was biosignature. 
And I remember, I think anyone that ever learned directly from Paul Quinn, like you listen to him talk for an hour and you're like, what the fuck? And um, I literally remember after like, literally within like the, the first day, I remember being like borderline depressed. And I was like, man, like that's a coach. Like I'm not a coach. Like I'll never be a good coach. And, uh, you know, because he'd, 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 you know, lecture for an hour straight and cite like 30 studies and the names of the, you know, the everyone involved in it. And he'd interpret the studies and I remember like, man, what the hell am I doing? But then I remember kind of coming through and talking with some other people. It was like, well, you, you know, realize you don't, don't, one, don't, you don't have to be like Paul Quinn, but two, definitely don't try to be like Paul Quinn. And so I remember being like, oh, like, I know that's like kind of like cliche, like something your mom would tell you, like, oh, you're special in your own way. <laughs> you know, so there's like two, two sides of that. You tell that to someone that's a dumb, dumb and not trying hard. Well, you're trying your best. And, uh, but then the reality is again, like every, you know, there's how many millions of people out there need to be working out. Um, and how much is it really not about helping people is about the specific information. It's about how you individually obviously apply it, and communicate it. And so I remember going through that. I was like, okay, well, I don't have to memorize 8,000 studies because I can, if I wanted to, and I'm just going to keep doing my thing and trying to evolve them. And so that was the thing, even if there was someone definitively, you know, cause if you want to look on paper, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever have, ever have or anytime soon, a strength coach statistically better than Charles Paulkin was just the amount of, you know, accolades and stuff that he has. And even so, if I could say, well, he's definitively a better strength coach than I'll ever be. I'm like fine with that. I don't understand where there's any real like competition there. It's like, well, it's good that, that, that he exists and I'm going to exist over here and do my thing. It doesn't really have to be, even if I'm comfortable saying he's better at whatever he does, I don't really feel like it's not even really a competition. You're just, okay, there's success in that form and I'll work on my own success in this form over here. Oh, it's just it's like content and the way people are it, it loses the centric value of being centered around an individual who's supposed to gain value from it you know it's losing yeah. the value of like i'm trying to help you and it's going to be amassed in this i'm trying to help you more than this individual is trying to help you because i'm right and they're wrong you know yeah. it's it's just it's rather than just putting the information out there for the value of the individual it's put out there for their own you know ability to say look at how correct i am do you know yeah it's just it's mad do you know Mm. Yeah. I always thought that was funny too, where it's like, yeah, it's, are we going to like measure like who helped someone more? Like, are we going to have like some sort of helpage <laughs> scale or something? It's like, well, I, I helped, I'm responsible for 26% of their success. Well, I'm pons- responsible for at least 37%. So you lose. I remember being like, it's actually, it's, it sounds almost cynical, but I, I would tell coaches too sometimes like, and I'm, I'm not perfect at this by all means, cause I still have expectations, but I tell people, I'm like, man, when you help people, help people with zero expectations. And like, that sounds cynical or like pessimistic, um, but that really is like, you should just want to help for the sake of helping. And, uh, for a bunch of reasons where it's like one, you know, I think it's really nice when you have someone that just says, Hey man, that like helped a lot. Like, obviously that's fulfilling. Like you want that as a coach, you want people to say like, Hey, you genuinely helped me. That's awesome. You know, you changed my physique, you changed my life, whatever. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, if you, as soon as you start to have expectations, then you really have to be honest. Like you're doing something right for yourself. Like if I don't get the right response back, then I'm not happy with having educated that person. It's like, well, then again, you're just making it about you. You know, it's not about them. And I always say that too. Like I try and I think about now, I, I spend more time the past 10 years thinking about the way I communicate with people that I work with more so than the information. Um, and I, I'll tell people that guys now particularly, like especially like within the meathead world, which I totally understand. Like there's this like, there's this meathead wall of defensiveness, right? Where it's like half of it even exists is like, well, I'm bigger than you. So there's that. And I'm like, well, that notion is important. If I didn't work out at all, that wouldn't be a great thing. But I'll tell people all the time when I work with them, I'm like, you know, if, if we spend an hour together or whatever, and I was like, if nothing helps, I mean, it's no big deal. Like, you won't hurt my feelings. Like, maybe I fucked up or didn't have good information or didn't make this relatable. Or if we go for an hour and 
you know, one thing sticks and you make one thing better than cool. And you know, and that it is what it is. And I'll have, you have the opposite happen. Sometimes I've had people that I've worked with or people that have like wanted to train with me and to be awesome. I'll, honest, I have someone train with me and I'm kind of selfish with my training time. So I don't feel like I'm putting a whole lot into them. And then after the fact, I'll have people be like, Oh man, you changed my life. That was the greatest session I've ever had. And I was like, I don't really think I said anything to you, but okay, cool. I'm glad that worked out that way. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a weird thing now. It's like this, I do feel like that's the thing is like, it's like the helping scale or like the credit scale. Like I want to make sure that I get the most credit for being the most helpful. And I'm like, that just seems like the weirdest conversation to possibly have. But probably comes down to like what people pay attention to when they're, when they're trying to learn, like they come and train with you and maybe you don't give them much kind of direct information, but just from observing you and how you set things up and how you train and you know, where you're kind of putting your focus during sets and stuff, they're probably like, oh, and they'll just take that information maybe somewhat passively. Um, yeah. And you say it comes back to like when, you know, you, because I've been similar, you go and see, you know, you go to courses and events and you hear these amazing people speak and you kind of get drawn into like, fucking hell, like I want to be like that person. And you're like, hang yeah. on, I need to focus on the information here rather than the person. And how, you know, it's like, that's epic that they've got the skills to be, to be able to memorize all that stuff and, and apply it in the way they do and stuff like that. But, you know, we, we get a lot where, you know, people, I'll, I'll work with people or people come on the site and they're already delivering awesome results. And then they yeah. kind of, but they may not be so well, you know, um, you know, they may not have the best understanding of some of the mechanic stuff, whatever it is. And they get too pent up on trying to understand that and thinking they have to change everything they do. You know, like, you know, you're already doing some good stuff. So just yeah. slow it down, take the information that's relevant and focus on that rather than focus on, I want to try and sound and look and be like that person that's giving me the information, which is, yeah. which is cool. Um, but that's again, like where it's cool hearing your journey because people, there'll be a lot of people that probably can relate to that and be like, Oh, you know, cool. Like I don't need to try and be exactly like Joe is now, but I'm kind of maybe on a similar path. And if I keep going, I'll end up in a similar position. That's what, yeah. um, one, one thing that I've, I've really enjoyed watching with you, Joe is like over the last couple of years of, also involving yourself and working with some more like top tier elite level bodybuilders like when you're when you're spending time with Dallas or when you're spending time with Terrence or and you have the ability to be selfless in the way that you know they're at the elite level for a reason and they've worked hard getting there and what they've done so far has worked so it's not mm -hmm. a case of trying to strip everything back and saying this is wrong it's a case of working with them and making things you, you know what I mean like yeah there's there's, there's so, uh, somebody that was in that for themselves would try and strip everything back and make it their own system. Whereas you're able to kind of view it as a set point of, you know, there are potentially things we can improve here, but what you've done so far has also worked. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the same kind of what I was talking about. Thank you. I appreciate that. But it's like, I, I even feel like that's continually evolving for me where I've done in the past. Like I, every once in a while I'll have some guy that's like, when they want to work with me, they'll be like, Oh, you just take me through a session and I'll be like, just anything. And they're like, yeah, I just want to see different stuff. Right. I want to build it. I'm like, okay, cool. But like now more than ever, I always just try and make sure that I start with, like you said, like, what have you been doing? I mean, those are my first questions. Like, what have you been doing? You know, what do you think that's working? What do you think's not working? You know, where are you having symptoms of something that may or may not be negative or positive or, um, and really try and spend more time actually with that, you know? And then what are the things that you just like enjoy? Like the same shit when I talk about, like you'll have people sometimes that are, you know, they'll, because of, you know, because of the majority of information I put out or the, the nature of some of my content, they'll interpret something that's not actually being said. You know, if I'm doing like just some stupid exercise or I just want to do like a high volume, 
you know, whatever I've got people in town, they're like, well, that's, is that too much? Is that a good exercise? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa like, hold, slow down. Like I like training first and foremost. And I was like, so if I think something's fun when I'm training, as long as it's not literally going to cause a dramatic acute injury, like right there, like that's, that's a main motivating factor for me. So it's like, that's the same conversations I try and make sure I'm always having with anybody that I work with. It's like, well, what do you like training? And I don't even care if it's like, again, unless someone's like, Oh, every single time I do this exercise, I partially tear this. I'm like, okay, well, that's probably not good. And, uh, but aside from that, I'm like, man, if somebody likes something, you know, we keep that. If they like a style of training, we keep that, or we just make slow, like subtle modifications or whatever off of it. And, um, and then ultimately too, I think like that's, I have to kind of disarm that kind of sometimes where people think like Joe's going to come in and just do all this weird shit. And I'm like, if you want me to do weird shit, we can get weird. <laughs> but um, for the <laughs> most part, it's like, it's like, I'd rather just get on the same page. Right. I mean, that's the joke. That's like some, you know, obviously people talk about like the industry, like this big fucking thing. And you'll hear people just kind of make these blanket statements of oh, the industry's crap or this, this is it's superficial, blah, blah, blah. And I understand where some of that's coming from. But when actually like the things that I think we need more of, especially now, when you have like one-on-one -on -one interaction with somebody, like it's very rare that I don't have a lot of common ground. If, like I said, for no other reason that we just were weirdos, right? You know, with how much time we spend training, eating, sleeping, food prepping, talking about muscles, like how could you not kind of get along with these people, you know? And so let's kind of build that first and then just see what we want to progress or change um, after that point. Um, and yeah, and I, I try to, I try and be respectful not even just of what someone's accomplished with their physique from a professional standpoint, but just from like a human standpoint. I mean, I joke, if I feel like there's been the biggest change I've probably had coming up is, um, you know, some of it obviously is marrying my wife because uh, Lord knows what I'd be doing if I didn't marry her. And then the other part is having kids, uh, which has definitely made me have more empathy for just like my fellow human, uh, which again comes back. That's what this job's really all about. I don't, I don't ever want to turn into a professor where I just sit around and talk about the abstract all the time. Uh, we really want to take it home to like, what does this actually have to do with people? And so I really try and relate with that. And obviously just with things that happen to everyone in life, you know, you start to value, you know, those people and your time spent with those people, you know, more so than what, what we're talking about. Did I get enough credit for how well this person did? Or did I, you know, get the, the respect or the nods or the tags that I deserve? Um, you know, that kind of shit. So, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that, that uh, observation. I really do try and work on that. Um, a lot, not just kind of going in and, and imposing my will upon people. Which is probably a sweet lesson for a lot of, because we, we had a a few people in our community, like fire some, uh, fire some questions in. And, and there was a few that were like, you know, what you know, advice would you give to coaches? And I can imagine that would be some similar advice. And it's like where you said, make sure you're on the same page. It's like rather than, and the way I'd look at it. And it's kind of similar to how we'd approach stuff as well, where, you know, someone comes to you, like you say, they, they go, take me through a session. And it may be more valuable for you to turn around and go, actually, you take me through a session. Like you take yeah. me through your session and I'll see what I can change. So rather than, you know, it's going to the same page, but it's rather than taking them to your page, it's like you're going back in the book to their page, considering mm -hmm. if you're like towards the end of the book and they're at the beginning, it'd be way more valuable for you to go back to the beginning yeah. guiding through it rather than just take them to the end and they're like well i missed all the other shit yeah. so, it's, um, so it's like a, quite a good lesson and it's kind of a lot of the ways you know it's very similar to how a lot of us will work with our clients right where mm. you know you don't start them at the end you meet yeah. them where they're at and kind of change little things along the way and, and mm. um you know put some put some uh, um you know give them credit for what's worked so far which is awesome yeah um but, yeah and i think that's it that's a huge thing too, which ties as like, I, it's one of these things like I value more 
retrospectively is, is my time spent training like normal people, normal population. Cause I mean, I, I learned from brilliant people um, again, from some of my, my business coaches basically that, you know, no one, no one does things in the gym for purely physical outcome, including us. I mean, honestly, even if you're, you know, you would think that someone going for the Olympia stage and trying to win the Olympia, they're doing that purely for that physical outcome. But obviously everything stems from emotions. You know, every, basically every decision you say comes for the desire of gain or the avoidance of pain. And that's every single person that you ever have stepping foot in the gym. And I remember learning that stuff. And I remember um, literally having, co- you know, my, my coaches, mentors being like, you really need, here's like, and giving me structure, like literally giving me a framework, giving me like almost like a, not a script, but a loose script to follow. Of like, these are the types of questions you need to ask people. Like, why the hell are they in here? And being, you know, can you imagine being like 22 in a gym, like for the first time, like you're training some like, you know, middle-aged man or woman that's just got, you know, a bad health report from their doctor. They've got a family to provide for, you know, they're overweight and, um, and trying to actually like relate with that person. And the reality is like, I couldn't relate at all at the time. I, I can relate a little bit more now, but so I was just like kind of going through the motions of asking them tough questions. And it was through like that whole process of literally doing things kind of robotically. Like I did want to help people. But I, I joked to like, how fucking emotionally evolved are you at 22? Like, I, I wasn't very emotionally evolved. I didn't like my education was like, you know, kindergarten level emotional maturity at that point. And, um, you know, but so I think about a lot of the stuff that I learned from that. Some of it is, again, there's a, there's a time and a place to go through things kind of, you know, structured or almost scripted. And then actually, as you go through the process with people, when I'd actually get people to like open up, I used to tell, think that, I mean, I have like, you know, again, some middle-aged woman opening up to me and I, I remember being there like holy shit like I can't believe these questions work and uh, and then like I can't believe I've got someone sitting here crying in front of me and I'm be like oh god oh my gosh they're crying I'm definitely not qualified for this and uh, um but it, honestly it's one of those things for me like I was never naturally just the person of like I mean this sounds bad for a trainer but it is what it is I wasn't necessarily like oh I, I was just right in from day one with this passion for like I want people to open up and you know tell me everything you've got going on and I'll be nurturing and comforting like I kind of honestly had to like learn that a little bit and, um, and again, I think that stuff is massively valuable if you can learn to relate, at least in some capacity, And because uh, nobody knows what it's like to be in anyone else's shoes. If you can learn empathy for someone that's not even remotely like you in any way, shape, or form, you know, that's going to translate over to people that even are like you. Because at the end of the day, again, if somebody, and I, I joke like we are a weird breed, like bodybuilders, because some of our stuff is so, you know, scheduled and robotic that I feel like sometimes people forget why they're doing stuff. You just start to go down this road and it's like, Oh, I'm doing this thing because it's you know it's off season. I've got to put on X amount of tissues, and now it's pre contest, and I've got to like get lean, and then I've got to repeat the process. And, you know, you're looking at the same thing. We look at the X's and O's all day, and in reality, is you, you know there's an emotional driver for all that stuff. And again, I think a lot of people sometimes even Bible is we don't think about why we're doing what we're doing. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's I, I I really really value my time working with normal people because it again I think it helped me develop you know, empathy and the ability to kind of, you know, relate to people a little bit more the best that I can at, again, at, at all different levels. And again, now that I have, you know, have a family and trying to provide for my kids is my main goal. Um, I definitely relate to a whole lot of that stuff, you know, more, you know, when people are coming into a gym and basically they don't want to be there, they hate training and they have every right to, and, uh, and it's your job to help them, you know, remind them why they're in there and stuff. So. Yeah, going back to not doing to keep knocking on the industry at the moment and social media, yeah. but that's, Part and part of the, the issue is people see the success you've had, they see the success that maybe we've had a company, see the people who are doing well, and they think they should be almost given that right to go there where they don't see the 10, 15 years that have done yeah. behind the scenes, the hours upon hours upon hours that of coaching hours or 
management hours or whatever it is before we all got to our place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like people don't realize the time they have to spend in the game to really be successful as a business. Yeah. 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 And it's still, it's still the best that like I have people ask me for advice and I just tell people, I'm like, man, just get bodies in front of you as fast as possible. Right. Just get bodies in front of you. And, uh, and also then the mentality too, is there's, you know, I think it is ego driven where people nowadays, you know, one, I'm glad that when I started, there wasn't, there was no, people had the end goal of like a platform, right. I want to be successful on that platform. I was like, that's just such a weird thing. Like I, I would want to be a successful trainer and then whatever platform happens to exist, I'll be happy to utilize that if I can help more people. But now people are like, I want to be, you know, Insta famous or whatever. And it's like, that's not an end goal. That's just like a platform unless you want to be an actor, right? That's what actors are for. Like I want to be famous on some form of media, but like now it's just, um, I'm glad I didn't have any of that. Like as a distraction, cause who knows how my mindset would have been, especially younger where I might've seen all that superficial stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah, I want that. I didn't, that wasn't even an option really. It's like, we'll just get in and just start training people. And then I think some of the other thing that present prevents people for now is because of the nature of where we're at. And again, this is not a definitively good or bad thing, but everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everyone wants to run their own business and do their own thing and whatever the hell that means. And, um, and that, I think that prevents a lot of people from just like working for someone else. Like they got to have a chip on their shoulder. I don't want to work at a gym. Like who the hell wants to work at a gym? Like, how is that helping me like get on my yacht and, you know, doing work on my laptop and hashtag and grind and ball and whatever that shit you're supposed to do. And, um, and I tell people all the time, like I never had any problem working for anybody. And the, and the nature of personal training is like, I actually think it's a good quality. You, you'll be a better leader eventually if you learn how to work well for someone. Right. I mean, there's no, if again, if people, if people even saying out loud, I'm going to go work for someone, I think it like hurts people in their brain. And if it hurts you, that's your freaking ego. Um, cause I honestly, I had a great time when I was working for other companies and other people. I mean, like half of it is obviously I do like some of the independence that comes with the quality of your product is hundred percent determined by you. Right. So like I do work within the framework of this other company and where they, you know, whatever the values that company has. And obviously just the physical hardware, if I need a gym, I'm happy to give me a gym and equipment. Um, and, but I did like the independence of like, okay, okay, well, the thing that will differentiate my product from the next trainer, well, that part's up to me. And um, so for now, I just tell people, like, get a job in any gym that you can. Even if you can't train at first, just get in somewhere and say, I'll do whatever job that I can. And I'll do whatever I need to do to work into having people in front of me as quick as possible. And then do that for as many hours as possible. Right. And that's why I tell people the advice that I was given, which may or may not have been legally right from an HR standpoint at the time. But I remember my boss was like, you just need to live here. Like, just be here all day, every single day. And I remember being like, okay, I didn't even question it. I was literally just in the building from 5 a.m. till basically eight, nine at night. I was just sleeping in my car in between sessions. And I mean, I, to be honest, the first few months I was dying. I mean, cause I came from college to a normal nine to five job to that. And, um, and I remember people that I knew were like, you get, you're at work at 5.00 AM. And they're like, your life is horrible. And I remember right when I started, I was like, it is kind of horrible. I'm not going to lie and pretend I enjoy being at work at 5.00 AM. And, um, but that's like, again, that's some of the reps that you can't skip, you know, it's just learning about like, that's half of being a good trainer is, you know, being brilliant at customer service, you know, and just being there, putting in the hours and stuff like that. And so like, again, I'm grateful for that time that I had. And I think it was necessary. Like I, I wouldn't even know how to remotely start to do or talk about some of the things that I get to do and talk about now if I hadn't done all that first. And um, so I try, I try and put content out there, like you said, to remind people, like I was training for a long time before I figured out how to create an Instagram handle and, um, and that's, that's good. I wouldn't go back and change anything about that. I think for, for me, just to pull out a key bit that you said there within your journey, I can't remember what, whether it's like 28, when you went to MI40 and worked with Ben for zero money 
and gave up almost everything you had like at that age for people just wouldn't think of doing that now like yeah. to make that transition like to go through a period in your career where you almost do like an apprenticeship how yep. that can fast forward things so much people just yeah. don't realize and be around a certain type of people and being in that environment um i think it's huge and i know a similar, i did a similar thing when i went to m10 um, yeah mark cole's there and like being around them people just obviously drove everything obviously yeah. Callum there and everything from there but like people just don't go through that time now when yeah. they're willing just to be in the environment to learn and know that yeah. in five years that may pay off so yeah it's not going to pay off in five months yeah and i mean the, the timing of that too it's one thing i can you know i i don't looking back i'm just like man i'm kind of half amazed that i made the decision that i did when i did because people like you said i think that's people need to realize that there's it's a cliche thing you hear these cliche things but you hear them from people that make these leaps in their career and you're like oh they're not cliche it's actually a requirement probably in some way shape or form because you like you said like actually when i when I, um, the position that I was in at that point in time was probably the best job that I'd ever had as far as I was the most comfortable. I'd been in the same area at that point in time for, I don't even know, like six, seven, eight years. So I was established. I mean, it was a couple of years from having to actually have to work for clients. It was all referrals. I had a waiting list. I had at that point in time been at a relatively new company for maybe two years or so. So I'd actually built a really solid team. I had built again, a really good position for, you know, additional revenue for myself from working for the company, managing the club. And, um, and I also had the best people I'd ever worked for at that point in time. I had people where the, the company I worked for didn't really have a personal training department when I started. So they let me kind of build it. And, um, and they were just really, really good human beings. So there's a rare thing that they were so amazing at the whole operation side from a gym standpoint. And they let me kind of have free reigns with the personal training standpoint. And it was just very great synergistic where I was like, I was capable of being a grown up and mature and and in a performance-based industry, I was making them a lot of money, making myself a lot of money, and I was extremely, extremely comfortable. And um, so when I knew that Ben kind of just said, hey, I've got this thing, and he did say, like, I'd want you to be a part of it, but he kind of let me know it's not a job, it's an opportunity, and it's not clean and pretty and all that. And the time frame there, I don't, again, I don't know if I told people, think about this a whole lot. Um, I had just had my, my, my oldest now, my son. I was 30 years old, and so like probably a year prior or so to moving up, I just, it was a really big financial goal for, for me, for my wife to not have to work. So I just went from two incomes to one income, had my first child at home. And he was probably about a year old when I made the decision to move up there. You know, so it wasn't just like me, it wasn't like me and my wife single and like two incomes. It was, I was now moving into the position for the sole provider for like the, only for a year basically of experience. And uh, we owned a place down there and the economy was like shit at that point in time. So we knew we couldn't sell it. So we we're just basically renting our place down there the whole time. And again, I moved up making, you know, I had, this was my life savings at that point in time, which wasn't an insane amount, but I knew it could at least handle for six, eight, nine months or so. And, um, and shit wasn't pretty for mom paper. It was actually one of the most fun times of my career. But if I looked on paper, I'm like, I'm amazed that I wasn't more stressed going through that because again, it was six to eight months of basically just watching my bank account go down. Uh, and we did nothing remotely glamorous. I mean, at that point in time, great advice I got from Ben because I had so much that I wanted to do and including be a parent. He, uh, he'd always told me, he's like, get rid of your TV. And so that was the first time in my life I ever got rid of TV or screen. So I didn't look at a screen aside from work for at least two, three years uh, when I moved up there. And that was massive because I looked at, because I, I moved up and I kept competing at that point in time. I even remember it was around the time that first year was open. Mark Coles came over. It was the first time I ever met him in person. And, uh, we, you know, we trained and we were talking and I remember like, you know, he had obviously an idea of the gyms just opening now and here's all the things you're doing. And I remember telling him I was competing and he's like, He's like, bro, why are you doing so much at once? He's like, is this really the, because, you know, kind of knowing that I'm like, I'm just starting, just building clientele. I'm pretty much out of money. 
He's like, and you're going to compete on top of that. And I'm like, yeah, why not? He's like, all right, well, good luck. And, um, and so I look back, it was, um, I, I didn't do anything else, but except eat, sleep, um, spend time with the family. And then uh, I literally had from 2015 to 2018, just a constant state of barely having enough money to get by. I mean, I'm talking bank account on zero several times where it's like, well, if I don't go get a paycheck or go find some money, uh, we're going to be in real trouble here. So it was like, yeah, it's, I think that people realize that they see the social media thing and like, oh, he's in there and he's in this great gym and he's training with all these people. And uh, they don't realize like, well, none of that was easy. None of that was comfortable. I was trying to manage all that stress and just still do, you know, perform at the highest level that I could, um, you know, as a coach, as a trainer, as a parent, you know, as a husband and all that kind of shit at competitor, which again, I don't know why I competed at that point in time. Actually, maybe better. I'm sure you guys know. It's like, actually, when you compete, it should technically make you worse at everything, but I actually made my schedule even more structured competing, which is probably the main reason that I did. And I liked it. And um, so, yeah, none of that was pretty, none of it was glamorous. And that's the thing too, where a lot of people are like, oh, he's working with all these people and doing all this stuff. And I was like, well, 99% of the time, like I, I made it happen to work with those people. You know, it was people I was reaching out to, or they were reaching out to me and I was initiating communication and I was having uncomfortable conversations or I was asking for introductions and, uh, and then just trying to, you know, make shit work the best that I could. And uh, so, yeah, none of it was neat. None of it was pretty. None of it was comfortable. Even to the point now where I look back and I was like, fuck man, like, I don't know if the now version of me would be capable of going back and doing it again. Like I'm soft now. I mean, I've got it easy my bank account's not on zero and uh, you know, I'm not training 60 hours of clients a week on top of everything else. So yeah, I do think that's an important part for people to realize if they're like, Oh, how do I make this? You know, they want me to tell them like, that's obviously you have everybody online as an entrepreneur and helping everybody. What's the whole deal? You know, you're helping somebody build a seven figure business and you know, whatever, three months or some bullshit like that. And um, I don't have any neat, pretty answers for anybody. I've got nothing for you, right? I'm like, well, if you want to know how to be stressed as fuck for three years while you're transitioning into this thing, um, I can tell you that. That's not as pretty of an ebook, right? I can't hire, I can't sell coaching on that as much. Um, but I think it's, and again, that's obviously the whole point of coaching and obviously the same thing I'm sure obviously you guys do is I certainly could hopefully help people streamline the process, uh, but I can't, I can't remove that 10,000 hours requirement if, you know, of actually, you know, practicing your practice, um, you know, and doing your trade, so... Yeah, that part's uh, people don't realize that part. There's there's nothing pretty in you know making big uncomfortable jumps in your career that you you think are necessary. And the oh the last thing too on that too, I don't know if I've told people this before. Right when I was leaving, I remember the time when I was leaving. It's the worst conversations I had because I had two bosses, basically two co-owners of the company I worked for, and I honestly I, I'm still good friends with them. They're again some great human beings. And so just the timing, I was trying to get both of them together to tell them respectfully, I got to put in my two weeks, whatever, and just a really shitty conversation because it's people that I, I still wanted to work for. It wasn't even one of those things where it's like, I got to get out of this situation and get into a better situation. It literally was a horribly, massively hard decision because I had great opportunity and I was really happy where I was. It wasn't like I was professionally unhappy. I just thought this was something I really felt I should go this direction. And so I had to meet with one of the owners first because I could never get them together. And then the other owner, you know, he told him respectfully and then I had to meet with him. So when I actually told him in person, he was having a Christmas party at his house at the time. And so he's like, oh, you know, come and talk. And so basically he's the night, like most successful, encouraging people. He wasn't negative. He didn't try and deter me. He goes, you know, I, I, he's like, I, you know, I kind of, you know, always worry about this kind of happening, you know, cause we know wherever you go, you know, you're going to be successful. And he's like, I'm not trying to deter you in any way, shape or form. And he's like, again, he's like, I know that whatever you go and do, you're going to be successful. And he's like, but I just wanted to let you know, I was just getting ready to basically move you into a position of basically partial ownership of the company. Cause that's how the other guy was the manager of operations. And he was basically like a co-owner through sweat equity in, in the operation side. And he was going to make me some part of it, 
through sweat equity of the personal training department. And I just remember being like, God damn it. I was like, he told me that. And he, you know, I was just like, and he even says, you know, we always got an open door if you ever want to come back. And even like my wife's great, obviously she's loving and supportive, but she has all the same stuff in her brain that I do. And I remember telling her that I'm like, God, I've got some good, bad news. I don't know. And, um, and she was just like, Oh really? And I'm like, ah, shit. And then she's like, well, she's like, I'm going to support whatever you do, but just really make sure that you're all, all for it. And that company, I knew the company was only going up. So like they, that company right now has, when I was there, it was like four or five clubs. I think they have like 50 clubs now. And uh, so I probably actually would have made more money then, still, still going that route. But I definitely obviously am happy the direction and everything that I went. But that's another thing too, is it's not always just the transition was horrible. The time frame to make that was horrible, but it wasn't even like, oh, I'm going to leave this better thing to, you know, this horrible thing to move on to this good thing. It was a really, really tough decision. <laughs> and um, at the end of the day, I just had to go with what I really thought was the right thing for me to do. But yeah, I don't think all that stuff is always ever neat, clean or pretty um, on, you know, on paper, the way that we'd all like it to be. It, do, it does seem to be a, a common occurrence when you speak to successful people in just in any line of business that have gone through a stage of their career when they've really struggled financially and something's yeah. gone not intensely how they'd hoped. And I think one from a business point of view, but I think even two from a, like, a physique point of view, that sometimes the people who are most knowledgeable and the most applicable and sometimes have the best physique, so the, the guys or girls who, when they're a, a teenager, were just nothing on them at all. Just yeah. super, super skinny, not that naturally guy just put on muscle easily. Um, yeah. That guy might win the comp, but it's the other guy who actually knows the most about what he's doing because of obviously his background and where he's come from. Mm. You trying to say something there, <laughs> so you, Are you the natural jack guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wait, I know so, Cal's wait, definitely so, not the so, natural jack guy. Basically, we're all very small. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it does seem like there's like the theme throughout the you know like the journeys you described, James, but your journey in particular, Joe, it's the like the sense of well, like I said, the the curiosity, but like the um, I mean, it's like the the, the cliche you, you could say, like the passion, but just underpinned it. Like there was a clear driver that kind of kept you going, and you knew exactly what you wanted to do, and you had to make those tough decisions and I think like those you know the other individuals James that you just mentioned that will kind of go through similar things I mean Cal you went through a very similar kind of transition when hey, you were James was on that promised me the promised me the dream yeah I turned up at a meeting uh, it was an interview with Mark and James in a room and they grilled mm-hmm. me for an hour and they're like right yeah. you can start in a month and I left my I left my entire client base I'd been going out with Hannah for six months and I was like right Hannah I'm moving to Nottingham left all yeah. my clients and started from scratch again. So yeah. yeah. But it's that, it's that sense of urgency and kind of, it kind of forces you to kind of value your time and where you're putting your efforts a bit more, doesn't it? Oh and yeah. Kind of then create the, like yeah. that's the, the catalyst to kind of get everything going, which is, which is where you say like you, you can't, you know, you can't advise people to do that. But if people have that opportunity, you know, if they feel like it is right for them, they should just fucking bite the bullet and go for it because that is a very powerful place to be put into. Yeah, right? no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's like you said, it's like, you know, the necessity <laughs> drives yeah. a lot of good actions. I mean, that's a half joke now. I'm like, I look back, like I said, I'm like, man, could I go back and do that? You know, the same thing I did six, seven years ago. Now I'm like, man, I'm the, the me version is too soft now, like the now version. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, it is what it is. And um, so, yeah, like I said, all, any time that I had from, you know, being broke, because that's when I first started training, you know, 22, is there was no, there wasn't a salaried position or anything. It was completely, you know, you, you eat what you kill. So it was like, hey, here's your, 
here's your job, start training people or you don't have any money and start making sure that you pick up enough clients or we're not going to keep you. And I was like, Oh shit. All right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's some of it's still, I would definitely never want to go back to working fucking 80 hours a week and being in a club all day. But at the same time, it was one of the, one of the best times of my life. Uh, you know, one of the most fun times of my life as well too. And, and completely necessary. I think that that journey that has kind of amalgamated into this whole hypertrophy coach kind of empire brand has been has been kind of fueled by that passion and something that I think all of us see now is the like the prevalence of the entrepreneurial schemes and the business mastermind schemes and this and that and there'll be a lot of people in those systems and those and those uh, mentorship programs etc that just don't that just don't have the fire for it if that makes sense like you can give them the best you can give them the best sales scheme you can give them the best marketing pitch but unless you've got that passion internally like you had joe which has basically delivered you through all those tough times to where you are now it's just some people just don't have it there and if you you, you just can't force it it's got to be organic yeah yeah and so it's one of the same things like there's a brilliant half the reason i joke that i don't want to be like the entrepreneur either is because like i know like legit entrepreneurs right <laughs> so it's like when you know someone that's like you can't you can't be an entrepreneur without having done the same thing from a business standpoint, whatever your business is. Right. And it's all that same shit. I mean, I literally, it's stuff that I know, you know, lucky enough to know people like, you know, obviously Aaron Singleman with Redcon, Rob Bailey and stuff and Dana. And I forget some of the stuff, man, like the time frame. you know, they, they were just having stuff, Rob and Dana with their business talking about, you know, where they were just six, seven years ago. And even, you know, knowing them, I was like, holy shit, you know, you forget that they didn't have a house seven years ago. They were sleeping in their fucking warehouse for how many months and stuff like that. And so obviously, even though what they're doing, like that's, I look at someone like Rob, I was like, I'm not an entrepreneur. Cause like Rob, like that's an entrepreneur, uh, but it's the same shit. It's like, obviously like Rob, Rob and people like Rob and Aaron, like they're people that are qualified to actually teach people. Like, here's how you hear you're an entrepreneur. Here's the things you need to know about starting and running a business. And they're the type of people that are such good entrepreneur and businessmen that they could make any business successful. Right. You know, they could say, well, here's this thing. And I could build this out with these systems, regardless of if it's, clothes or if it's supplements or whatever something else uh, but it's through the process of doing the same thing like fucking building something that obviously they were passionate about you know stuff within the industry to start um, but that's the thing that I, I do think is ridiculous about people that are teaching people how to be entrepreneurs it's like you can't you can't do it like that it's not possible it's not technically possible to be an entrepreneur in six months because all of that kind of stuff you know I, I, every real entrepreneur went through some horrible process and the whole thing was fueled by their passion, regardless. And I think there are people that are legit passionate about business, passionate about being entrepreneurs that, that really would be like, okay, what's this next business venture and not being attached to the actual product that they're doing, but just be passionate for the whole process of what that, that whole thing is and what it takes. And I don't remember a single one of them being like, oh yeah, I hired this coach online and within 12 weeks I built this empire. <laughs> it just doesn't seem to, to work that way in reality. And that's a double-edged story because again, I don't want anybody to think too that I'm I've, I've consulted with people that are business people. I've spent my money with business coaches. Um, but it's always, everybody needs to do a little bit of their homework, right? Like actually, who's actually like a real business person who's actually built something from the ground up. Um, and then obviously, you know, this, uh, that information is great. You know, I would, I don't want to waste time. I want to streamline things if I can. I don't want to, cause especially cause I don't like all that stuff. Um, so again, it's not that all of that or all of those people, I don't want anybody to think that that's bad. Everyone should have a coach at some point in some capacity, or at least should consult with people, but you just have to be careful with it. The same as the same as anything else, right? The same as someone vetting a trainer or whatever, you know, vet the people that you're working on. Cause it's like the, I joke, it's the same as people like their online coaches or online entrepreneurs, 
It's like, they just went to like a Halloween costume store. It's like, well, you're not really a trainer. You're just wearing like the trainer costume. Everything from the outside superficially might look like you're a trainer, but you're not. And the same thing with entrepreneur. It's like, no, you're just playing entrepreneur dress up, not actually an entrepreneur. So I lose sight of what they're actually doing, don't you? A couple of weeks ago, somebody asked me, like, what's the best bit of business advice I was ever given? Actually, no, that's not even what the question is. They asked me, what's the, the best business mentor I've ever had? I think it was, a, it's a friend of mine, Larry, and what he said to me is like, the best way to be a successful coach is to be really, really good at coaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, and a lot of people are getting like, what? No, no, I know that that's the case. I'm like, well, go and do that first. And then yeah. maybe in a couple of years time, when you're really shit hot at that, go and think about trying to build a seven figure empire, you know? And I'm, yeah. very, I'm very lucky to have kind of kept that on my side the whole way through kind of coming up and stuff like that. And I've always kind of kept that in my back pocket. Of like, right, if I just get really, really good at this, you know, success yeah. is kind of inevitable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're just an eventuality, yeah. you get so good that people just kind of roll on, you know, and you lose sight of that. Yeah. Come to thinking about the money end of it. And, and I think it's like, it's like a good cliche thing where people talk about like the whole point of like proper bodybuilding, right? Is the same things or there's crossover into proper running and managing a business is like, cause how many people now is like, well, what do I do to be a bodybuilder? It's actually one of my, favorite things i can't even say a sentence that he says great but obviously one of the brilliant things about jp and his brand is basically how he just says well like putting on muscle is easy and when he just like elaborates on that in, in a couple sentences you're like oh yeah it is he's like well okay I, I can't put on muscle what do i do and it's like okay well like show me your logbook show me your meals and show me your sleep and it's like everybody now is like well i don't no no i don't want to talk about that like tell me about like the fancy shit like tell me about the secret cycle and all this kind of stuff and it's like no no, no we can have those conversations so it's the same with someone like you said. It's like, well, how do I be a proper coach? How do I get where you are? And that's, I, that's, I said the same thing. I'm like, well, just start getting in front of people and train people for as many hours as you can, figure out how to produce results, you know, and then talk to me in a few years. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like, tell me about like, what do I, what am I supposed to post? And how do I do that? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. But like, so half of this stuff is, it's easy on paper, just like bodybuilding is easy on paper, 90% of it, but it's the hardest stuff to actually do, right? Nobody wants to adhere to it. Nobody wants to be like, oh, well, I actually have to sleep nine hours a night. That's, that's not sexy. I can't put that on Instagram. I want to have, you know, hashtag team no sleep. I was up, you know, building an empire and taking an overnight flight with the rock and starting my next business venture. <laughs> it's like, no, you gotta, you do the same shit over and over, like for like, you know, weeks and months and years on end. It's like, yep. And I was like, well, welcome to the same way to kind of build your business. And so that's hopefully the, the part about bodybuilding that I always liked. I had no idea what the hell it would, you know, hopefully translate over to, but it does teach you discipline. It teaches you the ability to do some sometimes seemingly tedious stuff for long periods of time on end. And it obviously crosses over so much into, you know, business and life as well too. I suppose it's a, it's an interesting one for if we're in a position where over here, gyms open up again, it's somewhat normal. Some good advice to some of those people that decide to start out in this, this area of the, the work might be forget social media exists for the first year yeah. and just do your thing. Just go yeah. and work with people and don't worry about whatever you see, like all these established coaches and PTs do just get on and put your head down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or at least, or at least get at it with zero expectations. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's like, that's the, everybody makes this big freaking deal about it. Cause it's, again, it's a double-edged sword. If I could go back, I mean, to be honest, I don't regret it. Cause obviously this is what it is, but I would have started doing social media earlier because I had made it something that it's not. I had overcomplicated it. And when I started doing it, it was really, really easy. I didn't ever overthink it. It was like, you know, I remember Ben, like, just talk about muscles. Like, oh, okay, like, that's it? Yeah. And it's like, I remember I just filmed something, and then I'd write something. I remember even when I started, like, the, the joke, my business part. And then I remember first doing some posts, and he'd be like, man, I'm just going to let you know. He's like, people probably don't want to read that whole thing. And I remember being like, well, 
that's how, that's how I like to write. So I'm just going to do it anyway. And I'd always, especially then I've toned it back a little bit. Cause you know, I, I have my, my nature is to be kind of a sarcastic asshole and do those fucking passive aggressive posts where I'm just calling people out, which in reality, I realize it's not entirely good. But my posts back then, I used to write all of them and just try and make them really funny and basically entertain my wife. You know, it's like I had six followers. One of them was my wife, you know, and I'd say, hey, like, read this. Is this funny? And she'd be like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I made it through the filter. I'm going to post it. And, um, you know, so it's one of those things where, yeah, like you should have 95% of your effort should be on, you know, training. But then like a lot of people overcomplicate. If you're a trainer that's producing results and you're like, well, what the hell do I do for content? It's like, pick up your phone, film something you do throughout the day and then write about it or speak about it period, you know, and you should be able to do it where it's like, okay, if, again, if that's the thing I look back at where I wouldn't have been able to do, I would have blamed my schedule because of having a kid and competing and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have time to do social media, but luckily I didn't, I didn't have a TV. And so that's the same shit where people are like, I don't have time. And I'm like, okay, we'll get rid of TV. People say, I don't have time. And it's like, well, Hey, tell me about the Netflix thing you're binging on right now. And I'm like, oh yeah, the show is fucking great. Bob. And I'm like, oh cool. Like that's kind of weird. Right. And you say you didn't have time. And so I'll be like, tell people the least sexy advice. It's like, we'll get rid of your TV and see how much time you're going to have. Um, because again, why I think it's, you know, the vast majority of your focus, like you said, should be on actually producing results and working with people in person. If you are, if you're there, you know, if you're doing it, if you're helping anybody in any capacity, I don't care if you've been training for a year or two years, if you're producing results, if you're having a positive impact on someone's life and you want to use a medium to speak to more people about it, just start doing it. You know, and it's, in my opinion, it shouldn't take more than fuck, just make it take 10 minutes, literally film something that takes the 30, 60 seconds you're filming it and write something in the way that you speak already that takes less than 10 minutes. And there you go. Get on a schedule, do that three times a week and just see if it figures out or turns into something from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, um, so like kind of leading on from all this, like there's a question actually a couple of us came up with. So I wrote down some questions and this is on mine. Um, and Ross is on his as well. Like with the, the hypertrophy brand, because it's kind of like very in keeping with what we've just been talking about. Was that, and I kind, I think I probably know how this answers, how you're going to answer this, but like, was it they, like a long-term plan? Like, was it something that you realized quite early on? You're like, oh, this is going to go somewhere. I need to put these strategies in place. Or was it just this thing yeah. that just happened organically based on all the effort you put in over the years? Yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing from a business standpoint. Still at this point, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just fucking winging it. And I honestly like, no, no joke. I mean, I know I'm supposed to answer any question, you know, and just, uh, I've got all the answers and I'm fucking killing it. Uh, but no, I suck at business stuff. I even do now. Honestly, right before I got on the call here, um, I sent a message to my business partner asking about something moving forward. And I sent a message to JP um, asking him to help me um, kind of clarify something I'm working on as far as direction with my brand. Because if I'd say if there's a huge thing that I've never thought about that ever is like, really, where am I going with this kind of stuff, which may or may not be good. <laughs> um, and so it's even the joke when people like, uh, I, to be honest, like I didn't, um, this sounds bad. I'm just gonna say it is what it's like. I'm, I'm mildly clever when it comes to like writing things and naming things and things like that. So I honestly had no idea what I was doing when I started like Instagram. So I literally like I, my business partner uh, was the one that helped me with everything. Like literally like, how do I, how, like, where do I go? Oh, there's this thing called the app store, like neat. Okay. Then I download this thing. Then like, what do I do? You create a neat, well, what's the username? Okay. Got that. And so I remember when I first presented stuff to him, the thing, the only thing that came to my brain, was I remember the story of Charles Paulquin saying how the, the name strength coach was created, that that position didn't exist. There were, there were basically fitness instructors and personal trainers, and there were people that worked only with athletes. And they're like, well, I'm not a fitness instructor. I'm not a personal trainer. And so someone coined the term strength coach. I don't remember the story of it technically exactly who did it and when it happened, but basically just to better describe what they do. And so when I 
when I remember that story sticking with like, well, I don't, I don't really right now when I was starting that, I don't really work with like general population anymore. I don't really do any fitnessy weight lossy. I don't work with, you know, athletes like performance based athletes either. So I remember thinking like, Oh, like, well, hypertrophy coach, like that better accurately describes what I do. And so I remember at the time I told my partner that and he's like, Oh, you're not gonna be able to get that name. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, Oh, somebody's going to have it. And I was like, no, nobody, nobody has it. I already looked. And I was like, I looked at the domain name. I even Googled hypertrophy coach. Like those words did not exist together on the internet, according to Google. And uh, so I was like, oh, cool. So literally got, obviously got I, at the name. I had no idea what I was doing, but my business partner, he's like, well, buy the website. I was like, okay, cool. You know, so I did the Instagram handle and all that. And I had no idea that it that, like turns into your name. You know, like people will see me now and just like yell at me like, hey, you're hypertrophy coach. They're like, what's your name again? And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I mean, you don't have to know my name. Um, so no, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, still to this day, have no idea what I'm doing at, at the time. And I think there's a, a good and a bad people can learn from me both ways is where I never actually created a product where there wasn't already demand. So I think that's a good thing. Cause people are like, well, how do I get into online coaching? I'm like, well, are people asking you to coach them? And I'm like, well, no. And I'm like, well, maybe not the thing for you. Right. <laughs> or it's like, well, how do I start a content site or half? I'm like, well, do people like your free content right now? Do they want more of it? Like, so that's how things work for me is like when I first got into coaching, I literally, I was just doing Instagram, not thinking about anything. And I literally had a, a pile of like a hundred people plus that wanted me to do like online coaching. And I remember when I first started getting these DMs, I'm like, what the hell is online coaching? Like, why the fuck would I want to do that? And then literally when I was running out of money, I was like, well, maybe let's try that out. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it did the best job I could just obviously managing the X and O's and having conversations with people, but definitely wasn't what I wanted to do. But people liked my, like, I was just doing Instagram when I started and people were like, I want more content. Like obviously whatever time it was 15 seconds and then 30 seconds. And now you can put 12 hours on there. Same with anything else. And, um, but I had people like, where can I get more content? Where can you do more stuff? And I was like, I had literally a business uh, uh, at that time, not my business partner, a client was like, do a content site. Like people have those. And I was like, Oh, that, that's a thing. Cool. And so I've kind of always just attempted to build stuff based solely off of demand. And, um, and again, so some of that I think is good. Uh, but I would also recommend people to spend time and effort like clarifying what their business model and kind of direction is as well too. Um, because again, I have all these things that I'm trying to clearly convey and express and the things that I think are the most important, you know, from both people trying to produce results themselves and for coaches trying to produce results um, with their clients, you know, and I want to make it clear that I'm trying to, you know, obviously help both people do that. That's like, that's my two biggest, if I have two demographics is I want to help people that are training at a higher level. And I want to help other coaches that want to be successful coaches. And, uh, you know, so I'm working on consistently making that, that kind of more clear that that's my direction. And the thing I think the tough part is honestly, like based on this whole conversation is obviously the reality of it. None of it's clean, neat and pretty. Right. <clears throat> so again, if I could, if I could package all everything we just said, like, what was your whole process? And I was like, well, that'd be my fucking web webinar that I try and have you click into, right? Like click into this podcast, listen to this 90 minute webinar. People are like, fuck that. Like, I'm not going to waste time doing that. And so that's always one of the struggles is like, obviously knowing, trying to balance all that stuff is like, yeah, I mean, if I, if I have, if I know that I have a lot of value for what I bring, I want to make a living off of that. I want to make what I'm worth making. Um, but I'm also just, I'm not super motivated by, I'm honestly not motivated by success for money or whatever that is. I just want my, you know, provide for my family comfortably. I don't want ever like money to be an issue. Like, Oh, like if I was right now with three kids constantly run out of money, it'd be tough to not have that stress leak over to them. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever want that. So yeah, I mean, I would tell people that's, uh, you know, things with all that learn and learn and don't learn from me some, cause you could definitely do stuff better than I do with building a direction and, and having a game plan in mind. 
but also some of it just should be organic, right? If people don't want more from you for free, why the hell would you try and sell something? Because it's, it's not going to go well. That's the, that's the key thing there, isn't it? It just doesn't sell for that business coach to say, yeah, it just needs to be organic. But then there's a huge amount of people you speak to yeah. that didn't know where their business was going to be in five years because we don't even know where the bloody world's going to be in five years. Right. <laughs> we couldn't imagine five years ago where we're going to be at now. So there's, I think there's sometimes it's pointless um, sort of, say, goal trying to have that five-year goal. It's got to look like this. No, yeah. look back. how do you want your life to look? I know you would yeah. have had an indication how you wanted your life to look and then your business can be guided around that. Yeah. It's the, um, but I think like you, you, you say, Joe, like in your story, like it's not, you know, it might not be clear to some people like, okay, these are the exact steps you took, like this is strategy, this is this. It's like, actually, if you boil it down, everything we've spoken about, there are like kind of like three, I've, I've just noted down three kind of, key areas that probably are responsible for the amount of success which is like the passion we spoke about because obviously you knew, you know where you wanted to go and that you know you were willing to make decisions that put you in pretty vulnerable places based solely on that passion like you had the option to stay in a pretty you know comfortable secure job and it was like no i, I know i'm i'm pretty i want to go and i've got the passion to go there and stuff like that and then it was the experience of of busting your ass and and, and you know waking up at 5am and staying until 9pm and working with all those people. And then it seemingly, and that was this kind of, I mean, you'll be able to confirm it, but I'm pretty sure it's the case that there's just been the belief that what you're doing is going to help people and that you're doing a good job. Like it's like when you set up MI40 without, without the, uh, you know, the financial, um, you know, reward for those first few months. It was like, I'm sure like the group of you that were doing it had the firm belief that, yeah, this is worth it and this can help a lot of people and that's going to keep us going. And then the same thing with the, the, you know, the hypertrophy coach brand, which is that, you know, so if people are going to take something from this, it would probably be, you'll have a passion for what you do. You've got to have a pretty decent amount of experience and you've got to have the belief that you can actually achieve success with, with kind of pushing, but like if you, you know, spend enough time doing it, it will, it will pay off. Um, yeah. And I, and I honestly say too, I mean, some of it is like not a, I don't know where the balance is on this, but some of it is like, yeah, I definitely always had a lot of pride. And I, the thing, the main thing that motivated me was I, I was like, I wanted to be like proud of like the, the trainer that I was right. Like that was my main driver. Like I, I honestly, I like bodybuilding competing. I think Mason, cause I just like the process. So I like, you know, doing that whole thing, like do things that are, you know, intentionally challenging. I mean, I think the same reason that normal people want to run marathons or do shit like that, they're obviously not going to win the Boston marathon maybe, but like, fuck, like let's just not make life easy for, you know, just for whatever, let's get some discomfort because obviously discomfort, even if it's self-imposed just does something good. But I honestly always had a really like a passion for being a good coach. And, uh, and I prided myself in that. Like I really, really, I always have. And especially remember when I started, like I really, uh, you know, I was, I was young in my club and the gym that I worked at, like a lot of vetted trainers in there. And a lot of people were like individually good at very specific things. So I'm like, I want to do that. Like that guy, I want to you know interact with clients like that guy. And so I did, I really, I prided myself in trying to be the best trainer that I could be. And, um, and it's the, the whole process through that is like this weird balance of like, you don't want to have an ego, but at the same time, I would just see people that would be, that didn't have any pride in their job. They like, you know, they had the opportunity to do things. They had the opportunity to get better they had the opportunity to put in the hours or to not have a TV or whatever. And they didn't, they didn't give a shit. And so it was like, at some point it's like, okay, I realized again, trying not to have a big ego. I am doing things better than other people. I mean, I literally just used to look on, on paper, like what makes like an awesome trainer, like from every little thing of like, 
even the way that I would dress, the way that I would conduct myself in the club, the customer service, the way I would talk to clients, the way I'd coach, the way I'd cue, the way that I would sell training. I mean, I literally, I had, I was in a great club. And at first I went through some of that emotional stuff that everybody, where I'd see like a trainer that was making a shit ton of money. And I'd be like, that guy's a shitty trainer. Like, why the hell is he making money? I'm a better trainer than him. Then I didn't realize he was just way better at probably one thing than I was. I was like, all right, I need to stop being an ass and just figure out how I can be good at that one thing and then be good at that one thing. And so, yeah, I really always, as soon as I started, like really just recognize what made a good trainer and actively try to pursue those things. And then you start to produce results. You know, the first time you help somebody lose 50 pounds or the first time you help somebody put on muscle, the first time you help somebody actually enjoy training, the first time you prep somebody for a competition and, uh, you know, you really, really do your best to help somebody. Obviously that builds a level of confidence as you go along. So if there's something that I've always had, I guess if there's a thing that I've had a clear vision on always is I always wanted to have as many actions in place as possible to make sure that I was being like the complete package as a trainer. And that's half the reason to obviously compete and stuff as well too. Like obviously, you know, it's the same thing with anybody, but I was like, you know, do you think that uh, the reason Dorian Yates didn't have as good arms as Phil is because Dorian didn't have some actions to back it up that Phil did like, no, well, everyone knows there's a genetic component. There's all this kind of stuff. I'm not going to be as big as Ronnie Coleman, but I want to make sure that I can do all the actions, you know, that I'm asking anyone to do, you know, that I can do the same things there. I can train my ass off. I can adhere to shit. And um, so that was part of it. That's, I guess, why I wanted to compete is the people I want to coach. I want to be able to coach them on the things I was willing to do myself. So, yeah, if, I guess if I did have anything that I've been probably the most passionate about and still to this day is I really want to just do as much as I can to be a good trainer, you know, and um, the kind of whatever the complete package of trainer means with ultimately the end goal of, um, you know, especially when I was working somewhere, I wanted to represent where I was working well and stuff. But then even now, obviously, I just want to be able to help people the best that I can. Right. And um, so, yeah, I think there's a there's a balance there. If you're going to put effort and passion and direction to something, you know, whatever your skill set, whatever it is, you know, be passionate and persistent about that. And then whatever whatever medium we use, like, I mean, I think, again, social media is obviously great if you make it great, you know, and um, it'll exist in some capacity, obviously, for our lifetime. Um, so just, you know, don't get caught up, I guess, on that. That will just be there. And, and if you can work on your ability to communicate and stuff, you'll be able to utilize that however you're supposed to. Yeah, no, very true. Um, very, very cool. Um, which I think is probably very valuable for a lot of people to hear, especially when they're coming into the industry, maybe putting the focus on, like, they see, oh, JP's got a, well, like, yeah, I kind of like a bit of stuff about muscle and JP's got this site with 4,000 members and he charges this much, well, he's making a fucking killing. Yeah, I want to do that. So, you know, it's the wrong motivation of yeah. being motivated by the financial order. They see someone like Cal with hundreds of clients. They're like, oh, I can make so much money doing this. And it's like, wrong reason. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's not why you do it. And then they, then they go, oh, what? So I've got to study. I've got to study. I've got to learn to communicate well. Like that's shit. Like I just want to get yeah. straight on the end, you know, kind of rolling in the Benjamins, and you're like, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's cool. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> so no, so the um, one thing question I had, which is just for my own uh, my own interest, because obviously you're obviously someone who likes to um, kind of geek out on certain things. Like, are there any areas? outside of mechanics within your own learning that you're kind of digging into that you don't necessarily talk about much, but you just have like a big passion for, but like maybe compliment what you do as a coach, but just in the background more, like, is there stuff like that? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, so a couple of things come to mind. I mean, one, like if I, on a day-to-day -day basis, I mean, I do what I think most coaches should do. So this is one of the brilliant things of social media is a lot of people that I follow are just result producing people, right? You know, so if they're producing results in any capacity, 
I liked it. Like, that's the thing I was just talking about, like JP, like obviously what he does, he's great at. And like the culture he's built, he's great at. And so I like to just see where you have consistencies from that. Like, even I said, like why I like to work with Redcon and, you know, Aaron and stuff is like, you know, the people that produce results, whether from a training standpoint, a business standpoint, I think most people that's again, people that use social media wrong are people that are just looking to pick fights. You know, they spend time telling everybody how great they are, defending how great they are, spending time saying how bad everybody else is. Like, why the hell would you spend time doing that? You've got this great resource of people that are legit successful. And, um, and they, it's real great information that you're getting, right? I mean, imagine, I have no idea how much I'm like happy I'm friends with some of these people. But like, you know, if you wanted to do a consultation with Rob or a consultation with Aaron and say, hey, I want to do a consult. I'm, you know, starting up a business. How much would it cost for like two hours of your time? I mean, I half know where Aaron is. He's like, I just make up a number you couldn't afford because I just don't have the time right now. And so, but he has that. I mean, if he's, he's, he will put free content out, right? People talk about their journey as an entrepreneur. People talk about their journey as a coach. They talk about like the application, right? And it's, so it's like, what, what are they actually doing? Like actual tangible decisions on a daily basis to produce results in any area of life. So I honestly love social media for people that I, a lot of my personally know or people, whatever, where I like, I like to really pay attention to this great golden nuggets that are being given out to everybody every single day. Um, you know, so that's, I think a lot, if I, I focus on that, um, the two other areas of interest, uh, to me that right now is like, um, something I've always just kind of, again, through my own life experience, um, accumulated some degree of, you know, application education is just basically like why, why people take the way they do, you know, so understanding basically a little bit better understanding of like human psychology and things like that. Um, you know, just kind of understanding brain chemistry, like why do we make decisions the way we make them? Cause I think that's, Again, if you come back to what's what's the biggest limiting factor, like this sounds bad, maybe, maybe not. Um, but in the past 10 years of all the information I've gained from like a mechanic standpoint, I don't know if I really needed any of it to produce better results with 99% of people, right? You know, 99% of people, it's going to be a lot more mentally limiting factors that keep them from success, you know, with a couple little exceptions here and there, you know, efficiency is a good thing to pursue, um, but the limiting factor is literally like, it, it, and if I want to, again, if I want to help people online, if I want to educate people online, I put a lot of time and effort most of the time into how I communicate things and how I try and relate things and, and hopefully make things understandable and relatable. Um, so if there's my time right now is just, uh, I, all of my free time basically goes to my family. So it's like continuing education has been medium right now, especially with the way things are in the world. Um, but if I have free time for education now, it's generally spent a little bit more on um, you know, reading again on, you know, uh, things I would call more kind of in the realm of psychiatry and, and again, brain function and decision-making, whatever the hell you want to call that. Um, and then the other thing from a pure training standpoint, you know, something that's basically existed in the industry for a you know, long time, you know, I think of guys like Paul Check is kind of the pioneers in this kind of stuff, you know, but there is this whole um, more so of this movement-based approach of things, uh, you know, where we talk about things, which again, if it's a movement based thing, if it's this movement pattern thing, if it's this coordination type thing where there's, uh, really looking at detaching from the mechanical side and looking at what's happening on more of this patterning movement, whatever, um, type thing. And there's a lot of different people in the industry that that's their whole business. Um, and I think a lot of it, same as any part, like 90% of it's complete garbage, um, but there's some interesting stuff out there. Uh, and again, it's, I mean, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw somebody, of course, like Paul check under the bus or, um, people like the, what's his name, David Weck, Weck method. Um, there are some interesting people out there that are doing some interesting stuff. 
where they're basically working more instead of, you know, I might, I might look on the, the hardware side, you know, what are we doing from a mechanic standpoint? And I think more of their approaches from, you know, what's happening, you know, on that brain side of the neuromuscular junction and what can you actually influence and change <clears throat> by having people work on things with that. And that's always been an area where one, it doesn't apply a whole lot to hypertrophy. Um, and it may or may not apply a whole lot to human performance, uh, strength and conditioning world, making better athletes. Uh, but there's some interesting stuff there. And so that's going to be at some point in time, that's going to be my, uh, my just for sheer curiosity, going to throw myself on the deep end with some of that continuing education. Um, just cause I find it interesting. You know, lots of times when you read stuff like that, it's some people I realize they're just um, the end of their information ends with big words when, or just a big concepts. And they'll put a period on like, Oh, well that, you know, this works this way because of the nervous system. <clears throat> and I'll be like, well, just so you know, that means nothing. Right. Um, so there's some people, again, that are just putting fluff out there, but I think there are people doing very interesting things that I just don't understand. Um, so I guess if there's three areas, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that would kind of be it. You know, I spend time looking at what different coaches or different successful people in different areas of life are, what they're doing, what decisions they're making on a daily basis, uh, to produce results. And I, again, I'm lucky enough, like I, I love to have conversations with those people just about whatever, or just hang out around with them. Um, you know, where you said, it's like kind of the weird thing when people just want to hang out around me and just train around me. And I feel like I'm not doing anything. And they're like, Oh, you just changed my life. And then I try and think about, it. I'm like, well, I, I like just listening to like Aaron and Rob talk, whoever, whatever, when people like that are talking, I was like, Oh, this is cool. I'm going to pay attention. Um, so there's that. And then, um, uh, like I said, there's definitely at some point in time, I don't know if I want to do some more serious continuing education with the, uh, you know, how people's brain works. Um, you know, I, I literally have a, have a cousin that has a, a PhD in neuroscience that's uh, recommended a couple of pretty cool books to me. And that's super fascinating. Um, and then, like I said, if there's a training thing, it is in the realm of just some, some lack of better words, some weird circus shit and actually going with some people that are interested with that just for my own sheer curiosity of like, what, what can we actually potentially impact on this brain side type thing? And how would that translate over maybe not into the bodybuilding hypertrophy world, but you know, to a normal person, to an athlete, something like that. Um, and I'll definitely keep doing like, Oh, as long as stuff is open, I'll still keep going to do some RTS stuff. I mean, I'll, when Tom's doors are open, I will fly out and just go hang out. He literally, uh, can I feel like an asshole on my name dropping? I randomly just talked to important people today. Tom sent me a text this morning that he's made way more modifications, uh, to all of his gym equipment since the last time he was there and basically saying the next time you come here, you're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, so I was like, sweet, just tell me when the doors are open. I'm going to come and hang out. And I always say a random, random topic to, to, you know, kind of as we're wrapping up on here is he has the, he has the coolest gym in the world. Um, so if anybody hasn't gone there, put it on your to-do list. There's no gym even close because you, you walk in from the outside. He works with broken people, you know, so he works with, you know, someone that's a paraplegic, someone coming off of a Bosch surgery, somebody coming off with a horrible physical therapy experience. So he, like, that's his thing. That's his challenge is working with broken people, but he was a legit bodybuilder like in the eighties mm. and uh, he loves bodybuilding. If you watch the way that he trains, he just likes to train really hard. If you go to one of his courses, I think it's awesome that nerd people coming in there expecting to just nerd out and then it'll take people on the floor and actually make them work. And I just see people's like souls shatter and they cry and didn't realize that this is probably an important part of training too, knowing how to work hard. Um, and his gym, even though it looks like you go in, it looks like more of a clinical rehab, physical therapy setting every single piece of equipment in there. One is the coolest equipment ever made. So it's a lot of old school Cybex stuff and things like that. That's already great. And every single piece is modified and like not modified smallly, like modified with like welding things attached to it, changed cams, adding on bracing, uh, the coolest shit you will ever see. 
a lot of it has signs on it that says you can't take pictures of this. Otherwise I'll sue you because it's sure I'm things that he either is patenting or in the process of patenting. But from a sheer muscle building standpoint, like I've used pieces of equipment in there where I was like, fuck, if I had this, like I would actually maybe have some big muscles. And um, <clears throat> so that's just a random side note that I was just thinking about. Like that, that's the stuff that gets me excited. So I will never, there's probably never a time I won't make a trip out in a year to go see Tom. And if not, nothing else, maybe learn some stuff, but just play on his equipment while I'm out there and uh, get huge while I, while I try and learn the same thought process at the same time. So there's a guy you might, you might be interested to check into. I'm pretty sure you, you may know him actually, Jacques Taylor. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Jacques, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's doing some stuff at the moment. His, um, he's actually got like a, a subscription based educational program at the moment that, I'm on it, a bunch of other people on it, and we basically just get together once a week. Um, yeah. And, and it's all focused around neuroscience behavior and kind of yeah. information and mechanics and like yep. how we can communicate better with clients, how the nervous system is working, like what, how, how people, how we can influence their mind during training a bit, but kind of in all these funky ways that you didn't realize. It's, it's yeah. Stuff. So that could be an area that you might want to check out. Yeah, I might get on that. I've been lucky enough. And Jacques is great, man. I always thought if there was any justice to the world and social media, Jacques would have like a million followers, right? Because what he's, he's brilliant, he's jacked, and he's way better looking than I am. So I was like, we got this brilliant, jacked, good looking dude. And I'm like, he's, you know, he doesn't, obviously, he doesn't give a shit. Obviously, you can tell where his passion is. But I'm like, you got freaking ugly people like me, like doing all right on social media, and <clears throat> he's out here being brilliant and handsome and shit. And I'm like, all right. The world's, anyway. greatest, the world's greatest voice. Well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's got what the hell's going on? Why doesn't he have 10 million followers? I don't know. Guys, look about, we, we'll, we'll do a plug on him. I don't know what's his what's his social media. This is what we'll make this all about is his. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's Jock Taylor. The exercise yeah. design lab, I think, is uh, is what he's at now. Yeah, guys, go check him out. He's uh, way smarter than me and way better looking. So, and he's got a better voice. So, I don't even know what yeah. the hell you guys are listening to this shit for. Yeah, and for those that are on our on our website, we had him on as a guest, like what few months ago he did some awesome like science bait he, he kind of did like a live experiment which was pretty sweet Sick. Okay. yeah so that so people want to geek out on that but yeah we've had him on the podcast as well so again people can go, go back and check that out but great guys nice. um but no i mean that's uh i, mean, I don't know how long we've been going now but hour and 40 hour and 40 I mean, um, six hours. If you had time to uh, to do a bit of a Q and A thing, but the um, I'm assuming you've got to run, so we might have to. Get you, you can rattle some off, man. I got a a six son at home today, which means I'm doing less than I normally am with schooling stuff. So have at it. No weird oh, stuff. Oh, sweet. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> that that will be then for the for the guys and gals on our site. So if you um sweet. if you I mean, I'd say we'll, we'll kind of end the podcast here publicly so yeah. that everyone else listening might not get access to this point. But the um, but so just so that people can find you in case they haven't heard of you, like where, where can they, where is it? Oh, yeah. Hypertrophy. Honestly, so I just say for most people, if it's, see if it's your, your cup of tea, uh, just my Instagram is where I do the most content. So if you want to just kind of dip your toes in the free content, just hypertrophy coach um, or hypertrophy coach, depending on how you want to pronounce it, um, is my Instagram handle. And that's definitely where I'm most active on, uh, you know, the most active platform. So if you want to check out some free content on there, if you like that, you know, I'm actually getting, uh, getting on top of my YouTube game again. So I've been, that's one of my goals for this year is just be consistent with content on there. So my YouTube channels, um, you know, got some life to it now. And then now if you want to check out, um, you know, any of my, uh, even deeper is on my app. Um, I've recently redone my app, which again, you can find it at hypertrophycoach.com or just in any of the app stores you search hypertrophy. Uh, coach you'll find it and um and that's actually i've tried to make that more 
uh, user friendly for actual workouts. So it's actually the most user friendly it's ever been for if you want some, you know, programs to follow based around my principles. Um, and then just the whole host. I mean, there's literally thousands of hours of going as deep down the rabbit hole as you want for educational content in there. But uh, eventually the goal of this whole, I'm supposed to have a business plan, right? Is that, uh, the, that, that app is going to be continually geared much more around application. So we're geared much more around, you know, workouts and programs and training, you know, literally going into the gym and getting shit done. And eventually I'll probably going to have a different platform that's, I'm going to start focusing a little bit more on education. Um, and honestly geared specifically towards trainers. Um, so that's, there's a little teaser whenever the hell I get that shit done. Um, there'll be some stuff out there for that more. Cause I've, that's basically, that's the, the issue that I have had with not having any clear cut business model and just winging shit is my app just turned into a little bit of everything. And normal people would get on there and just freak out. Like there's too much shit. I'm scared and leave. And then, uh, you know, some of my nerds would want even more nerd stuff. So kind of separating out the two now, but yeah, that's where most of my stuff is at. Awesome. And I mean, the guys that, for the people that follow us and the people that are a member of our platform that we have very similar kind of approaches to this whole, whole game, whether it's like mechanics related, just kind of teaching people how to understand this stuff. And, um, so you definitely, if you, if you like our stuff, you like Joe's stuff. Um, so that's definitely a place for you guys to check out. Um, awesome. Um, and, um, and yeah, that's, uh, that'll be the wrap for the, uh, the public podcast. And then we'll there's this other bit coming up, um, which we'll just edit out now. So we'll just carry on. Thank you for listening to the Muscle Mentors podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors who support the channel and everything we do in the realms of education and coaching within the industry. Firstly, our original sponsor, Supplement Needs. They've been with us from the start. If you're seeking the highest quality supplements on the market, particularly organ support and health orientated products, you can use code Muscle Mentors at checkout for 10% off your order. Precision Prep, our recently introduced food preparation partner, delivering the finest quality meal prep across the UK, featuring their new Pro Prep range, a concept closely developed with us to solve an issue we see day to day with time limitations and nutritional compromise. If you're seeking the highest quality nutrition delivered to your door for the best price, look no further. Use code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for 15% off your first order and 10% thereafter. And lastly, RAR Optics, the highest grade blue light, blue light blocking glasses on the market with the slickest style. In a world filled with artificial light, particularly those with high screen time, I can certainly say I'm one of them. These can be a real game changer for sleep quality and recovery, something we use personally on a day-to-day -day basis. Grab yourself a pair by using code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for money off all orders. Once again, thank you for your continued support. Until next time.